11.05, and we are here, a special two-hour edition of the Dr. Payne Show. How about that? I got you out of bed. Actually, two no. Hours. No, that's not true. No, I went to bed at 5 o'clock this morning. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You're a doctor. Yeah, we were out for a friend's party, so okay. yeah, it was a late night. Okay. You all right? Yeah, I'll be fine, you I think. fine. I'll, it'll hit me around 3, 4 o'clock. Your breath is okay, so I don't think you were better. <laughs> no, 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 it, was, right. it wasn't a matter yeah, of uh, getting drunk. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm fine. I'm sober. <laughs> 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And uh, Dr. Lou is here. The number 18555-DRLOU is his uh, number to get a hold of the practice and check it out. But we're taking your calls all, uh, all morning for the next two hours anyway. You have uh, issues, be it physical or otherwise. You have no answers. Want to get some answers? Doctor Lou's here to answer those uh, those questions. How was the week, pal? Very good, actually. And and I have a couple interesting cases that I'd like to discuss with everyone um, that kind of touch on that topic that you were talking about. Um, if you're you're out there, you're listening, um, and you just want to get a second opinion. A lot of people that I've seen this week, yep. it was just a matter of getting a second opinion uh, to make sure that a either what they were told was right, or you know, b what they told was wrong, and they should mm-hmm. try another option. So uh, a couple interesting ones that I wanted to talk about. Some were actually very simple. Some were a little more complicated. One was um, a lady in her middle-aged lady, uh, very, very active, lots of yoga stuff that she was doing uh, and is currently doing. And she was complaining of a hip pain right in the groin. Uh, and I don't think we've talked about hips all that much no, on the show. I think we've almost, ta- you know, talked about every other body part, but for some reason, and that's why I was like, oh yeah, I should probably talk about uh, hips and how important they are. Um, and so she came in and her complaint was essentially that when she's doing a lot of her yoga poses, she feels this really sharp stabbing pain uh, right in her groin. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people mistake the hip and they'll kind of point to the back right around their butt, but the actual proper hip joint is actually in the front right, you know, uh, next gotcha. to the genitalia. Yep. Um, and so uh, she was complaining of pain in that area. Now, what I did there was I went through my physical exam. First, we did a full history just to get an understanding mm-hmm. of when this bothers her. Because like I've said uh, many times, you have to do your detective work to figure out the type of pain that they're having, when it's happening, what's relieving, what's aggravating. That way you can kind of start to uh, form what's called a differential diagnosis, things this could be. Right after the history, I knew for sure that this seemed very much musculoskeletal. It was related to the muscles, the joints. It wasn't anything uh, more than that. The next thing I had to determine, and I was pretty confident at that point, uh, that it was what's called an FAI. FAI is femoral acetabular impingement, which just means there's impingement in that joint. That could be due to two things. You can either have severe arthritis, so when the bones actually start to change. If you actually look at the hip, the thing that's so special about the hip, and it's very similar to the to the shoulder, shoulder yeah. it's a it's a ball and socket joint, which yeah. means it has a ton of different variations of movement. So you can flex it, you can abduct it, you can adduct it, you can extend it versus say something like the knee or the elbow where it's just simply flexion and extension and it's a hinge joint. It actually looks like the hinge on your doors. Um, so the hip has a ton of different movement. And what happens is if the, you know, due to any type of arthritic changes, if that ball uh, shape of the femoral head starts to change or the acetabulum, which is kind of a, a cave that fits into there nicely. If those things start to change from a, a bony standpoint, like with arthritis, you'll start to, the bone will hit as you're moving ah. through the ranges of motion. And that's the impingement. That's what you're getting. Uh, and now obviously in that scenario, if it is bony changes, when hips 
degenerate too much, you do get to a point where you need to have replacement. hip replacement. Yeah. And it actually is the gold standard. It tends to work very well when someone, and I mean this again, you have to gauge it, you have to understand clinical um, indications, you have to look at the imaging. But then what I did with this lady was, um, and it's kind of hard to explain here over the radio, uh, it's a little bit easier to explain it visually. And for all of those people listening out there that want the visual component of the things that I talk about. We'll do TV I, next week. Well, t- well, TV is coming, but before <laughs> TV, add us on Facebook. Ask, add me on Facebook. We put a ton of this stuff. Uh, it's Dr. Lou uh, on Facebook. Just type it in, and I'm there, dr.lou, um, and you can follow me, and I put up these videos so cool. I can show people. Um, so I'm going through the range of motion, and then what I did was I distracted her hip as I was going through that range of motion. And what I was essentially able to find was that the impingement she was having was not actually due to a change in the bones. What it was due was due to a tight capsule, which is the ligaments and uh, cartilage and the other tissues that surround the actual joint okay. that keep it keep in place. place. Yep. So, and I and she she's from Oakville. So, uh, and she was seeing a massage therapist out there that she really liked a lot. Um, and you know, all I basically said was, if you're happy with the person that you're seeing, and I think this is something that a massage therapist can deal with. I just gave the massage therapist a letter on some special things to do specifically to strip out the capsule. And, you know, I showed her what it would feel like. And right away, she started to feel better. And and it was a very simple case, but she's been living with this for so long. She was unsure. But again, this comes down to if you're a good detective, a a good diagnostician, you could determine what's going on. And what do I always say? If you've got the right diagnosis, you're going to get the right treatment. And, And up until that point, the... The diagnosis wasn't really there. And so, uh, you know, that that was the issue. The diagnosis was wrong. It was being treated uh, the wrong way. She has to have someone get right into the capsule, release that capsule, and she'll start to feel better. Joe, we'll get you a quick call here before we break. Hey, Joe, good morning or good afternoon almost. How are you? Hi. I, I have a, my, my mom has uh, was diagnosed with Paget, mm-hmm. and she's on a protocol now with the doctor. Is there anything like uh, nutritionally or vitamin-wise that, can help support that or or anything like that. I'm just going to hang up and listen to the call. Sure. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, so Paget's disease is, is very rare, actually. Um, what it is is essentially the bones um, start to enlarge and then also soften. So it's kind of a double uh, whammy that happens. Um, you know, anytime you're looking at bone-related things, obviously having a good amount of calcium and vitamin D, which work together, um, and that's very important, that understanding that you have to have calcium with vitamin D just because of the way it's uptaken, um, is usually a good idea. Paget's is, is a little bit different than just, say, something like an osteoporosis. Right. Um, so it is a little bit different. And again, because it's so rare and the pathology is totally different, um, there's not... You know, tons of things, um, uh, more natural things that could be taken. And usually this is something that has to uh, be controlled with some type of medication, good physical therapy and those things. So there are some things uh, I'd have to understand a little bit more about what she's doing as well in order to make uh, specific recommendations on specific natural products. The thing about natural products is you can't just throw them all at a person because you have to understand uh, what they're doing. And sometimes I'm hesitant because if they're on a certain medication that has a counteract with another type of natural remedy. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd want to understand that a little bit more, but, you know, I guess we're going to break and, and I'll discuss it a little bit more when we get back. Your call is 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, a two-hour edition of the Dr. Payne Show, right till one o'clock. Your call, uh, calls, bring them on. We're ready for you. Got some open lines. 
And lots of, uh, more of that when we return here on the Dr. Payne Show Talk Radio, AM 640. 1114, the special two-hour edition of the Dr. Payne Show, one 855 drlou Dr. Lou, when the show is uh, over, you can get a hold of uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Lou right there. Info at paincarecanada.com is for emails, and the clinic is uh, is ready to take you. If you uh, need some help, it's over the phone calls. Bring them on, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. you got some time till. 1 o'clock to uh, get your questions answered. So, yeah, what was that condition we were talking about before yeah, the break? Yeah, so Paget's disease, right. um, essentially what happens is it's caused by excessive breakdown okay. uh, of bone, and and then it starts to, the bone um, doesn't organize properly the way it should. And what ends up happening is these bones get bigger, but they get weaker. So it's overall a softening of the important parts of the bone. Are they bone. not as dense? Or? Yeah, it's just a pathological breakdown of everything. In fact, these people, you tend to find they have uh, high, on their blood work, high alkaline phosphate levels because the bone's being broken down. Um, and so the big concern with it is, number one, people usually don't know that they have this until they start feeling pain. Um, and so a lot of the times it's just an incidental finding because someone's having pain and they think it's just you know, some type of regular musculoskeletal pain, it persists, it's not getting better with the treatment that they're doing. All of a sudden, someone decides, you know what, let's take an x-ray. And then you take the x-ray and you end up seeing it. Um, and then once you've seen it, the thing is, is, is it's not, the, the, the reason why it's dangerous is because as it softens, you can have fractures, sure. right? And that's the dangerous part. Uh, and depending on where it is um, that, you know, you have that risk of those fractures happening and then you have to, you know, keep that in check. But anytime, again, you're dealing with uh, bones uh, from a natural perspective and, you know, it kind of goes for everybody that, especially women, women uh, tend to uh, are more prone to bone issues like osteoporosis. Um, the thing that people need to understand is, at some point, as you get older, your bones are going to start to slowly sure. break down. So the goal really is that you want to build it up to a higher peak so that de- that decline takes yep. longer. That decline starts to happen around 30 years old. Um, that's, a, that's shocking. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, so 30 years old. So the important things that tend to keep bones healthy, again, are calcium with vitamin D. Vitamin D is, you know, the sun, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, which is a problem why we have a lot of things here in Canada and, you know, in northern climates because you start to minimize the amount of vitamin D. Uh, the other thing about vitamin D that would be interesting for people to know when they're in the sun, um, it's not enough to be behind a glass or something. It actually has to have hit contact. Your, yeah, yeah, have contact. The other thing is a lot of vitamin D actually gets absorbed around the eyes. Uh, and a lot of times we wear big sunglasses sure. when you're out in the sun, right? So it's kind of a double whammy. So sometimes take those sunglasses off, get a little bit of sun on your face. Um, but yeah, anytime you have something going on in the bones, you want to try to, prior to 30, uh, weight-bearing exercises. I was say, lifting weights is great yeah. for the bones. Right? And you know, the funny part is women tend to have more bone issues and men tend to have more cardiovascular issues. Mm-hmm. But then when you're at the gym, you're seeing the guys lifting the weights and the women doing the cardiovascular right. workouts. It actually right. should maybe be the other way around where men are focused on the cardiovascular since they're a little more predisposed to that. And women focused on the weight-bearing exercises uh, in order to build up those bones. Then good nutrition is another yep. part of it, of course. Um, and get it you know, up as high as you can by the time you're 30 and then it starts to break down but again for the gentleman that called with regards to Paget's disease and uh and specific things uh besides me going any further with saying sunlight and vitamin d and calcium um you know have that person give me a call let me understand exactly what she's taking what she's not taking and then from there i may be able to make better recommendations 416-870-6400 star 640 on sale daniela good morning good morning how are you excellent how are you what's your concern 
Um, my dad is 79 years old, and he's um, been struggling with his walking. Um, at first, they were mentioning Parkinson's, and now that's been ruled out. Uh, but the word uh, gait apraxia, okay. they yeah. said that that's what his condition might be. Could okay. you give some suggestions on what he could be doing to improve his conditions and maybe help him with his walking? Sure. So um, gait ataxia is kind of... The more important to, uh, thing to figure out at that point, it's kind of, that's a that's a symptom. That's like someone saying, oh, he's got a fever. And it's like, okay, but why does he have a fever? Gait ataxia is, could be related to, um, what happens is your cerebellum, which is, so you have your brain, you have your brain stem, and then mm-hmm. your spinal cord, and then below your brain, there's something called the cerebellum. Yep. That cerebellum uh, controls coordination of movement. Um, and so what can happen sometimes with a gait ataxia, if there's some type of a lesion in the cerebellum, it could start to affect that. Um, it could also be related to vestibular things where we've talked about this, the inner relation ear. between the eyes, the inner ear, the neck, um, and there may be things going on that way that are causing the ataxia. So yeah, it may, I, I, you know, it sounds like they're probably on the right track. They're trying to rule out the more uh, pathological and neurodegenerative things like the um, like the Parkinson's disease, I'm going to assume he's had an MRI of his brain? Um, they've had CT scans. He has CT a CT scans. So he's not able to have an MRI. Okay, yeah, so CT scans, yeah, same. Well, not same, but it'll give you the information yeah. that you need. Uh, they probably likely would have picked up in the cerebellum uh, something if there was there, uh, and maybe not. But yeah, the important thing is trying to, if it is uh, gait ataxia, is trying to figure out, again, that's just a symptom, what is leading to that ataxia? Is it a problem with the cerebellum that's not causing coordination issues? Is it a problem with his vestibular um, apparatus? Be- and the vestibular apparatus is the relation between the eyes, the inner ear, and the neck to understand uh, where your body is in real time um, and space. So it could be a multitude of things. Uh, you'd have to continue going down the path of getting tested to try to figure it out. Again, this is something that if you like, we can have a more appropriate uh, free consultation um, and I can kind of divulge into a little bit more information and see if there's anything there that maybe sticks out to me and suggests that maybe more one thing versus another. Okay, that's good. And okay. is physiotherapy and osteopath um, uh something that would be beneficial to him? Again, it depends, right? So that's the component of what I was talking about when we when we first got on of the right diagnosis makes for the right treatment. Um, it really depends. Let's say it is a cerebellar lesion just to, you know, for, for assuming right. here, then, you know, what what is it that the osteopath or the physio are going to do is the next question because those are just the names of profession that can do multiple interventions. It's about finding the right person that deals mm-hmm. with it the right way. So give us a call. We have all those people uh, and we'll try to, to get you, you know, in the right place if that is something that you need. Danielle, it's one eight five five. Five five Doctor Lou. That's D R L O U one eight five 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 Doctor Lou. And to call in uh, this morning, we'd love to hear from you. We're here till one o'clock. The two hour edition of the show four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty until the Doctor Payne Show Talk Radio AM six forty eleven twenty five Doctor Payne Show. Lots of phone calls to be had. We got open lines four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. And uh, Jonathan, good morning, pal. How are you? Good and yourself. Good. What's uh, what's your concern? I have a question uh, on my right side near my shoulder blade, my rhomboid. I don't know what it, what it is about it, but it's there's always like a, a triggering pain there, and I, I massage into it, and it releases it, and I feel better. But then I wake up the next morning, and that tightness is there. I don't know if it's my posture. I don't know what it is. Okay, but what it me. what what do you do? Like, tell me a little bit about like what your lifestyle is like in terms of work. Is a physical labor that you do, you're doing? 
No, it's pathetic. I'm a teacher. <laughs> That's not pathetic. Be, being a teacher is pathetic, or the <laughs> <laughs> my brother's actually a vice principal. I have lots of teachers in the family. Oh yeah. So I just lift chalk to uh, to a blackboard. That's right. all I do with my right arm. That might be enough. Hey, that might that yeah. yes, exactly. That might be enough. Uh, what about physically active? Like working out a lot, sports, etc. Uh, yeah, I uh, play soccer and I go to the gym three times a week. I was in a car accident maybe six months ago, but okay. it was something that bothered me before. In my early 20s, I used to serve okay. and uh, carry trays, and I, I think that's where it maybe stems from. Okay, and uh, have you ever had it treated by anybody? Uh, no, just at a physiotherapist after the car accident, I complained about it, and we did some like shoulder exercises. Sure. Shoulder stuff, okay, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, so one of the things with rhomboid issues where people can sometimes think, okay, it's it's a problem with the muscle itself. It's very important underneath the rhomboid are the ribs. Um, and sometimes ribs can, you know, I don't want to say come out a little bit, but sometimes they do. The, uh, it's an articulation. It's a very small joint. And sometimes that joint might be a little bit off. Um, and so sometimes actually putting that rib back in place uh, tends to help, and that may be the issue. Now, what happens when ribs come out in an area? It's usually due to there's a weakness in the rhomboid or something like that, which is responsible for holding everything down. Um, and so you may have a better, and again, I'd have to see it, but just kind of hearing what you're saying, you may have some a, a better outcome if you got someone to kind of put that rib back in place and then versus pushing on the muscle, do things to strengthen it, to keep it. It might take a few treatments, uh, some rehab to get it better, but um, it might not just be as simple as a rhomboid issue. It might also be what's under the rhomboid, which is a rib issue. Okay, cool. Thank you. Okay, for nope. No problem. The number one eight five 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 Doctor Lou. By the way, Jonathan, you want to give him a call? Free consultation. Pop by and uh, get to the the bottom of it. Kathy, good morning. Hi, hi, oh. both of you, Doctor Lou. Yes. Dad, um, my dad is eighty eight. Mm-hmm. Two hip operations. Okay. Last weekend, he woke up with a very, very severe pain in his right hip. The pain occurs anytime he puts any weight on it. It hurts when he sits down as well. The pain is so severe that it almost leaves him breathless. He's had multiple x-rays. Okay. They have to find a problem with the joint. They've told him it's due to his age mm-hmm. or the weather. He can't live like this. Yeah. Um, is he doing any type of therapy towards the muscles surrounding the joint, like any type of regular massage, um, treatment of, with active release, anything like that? No, not at this time. Yeah. Your therapist did see him this week and suggested it's some type of inflammation problem. Yeah, sometimes what tends to happen with joints um, is a lot of the times the pain generating source is actually the muscles uh, around surrounding that joint where it all tightens up and things aren't working the right way. So it could just be as simple as something as a muscular issue and not necessarily related to the joint itself. It could also be a synovitis, uh, which would be an inflammation actually in the synovium, which is uh, within the joint of the hip, um, which is ve- the characteristic um, findings for synovitis are what you're saying is extreme pain, um, uh, every range of motion hurts. But the one thing that would tell you it's a, it's a synovitis is if he took some type of an anti-inflammatory and he felt better, well, that would control the information. So you could kind of uh, experiment with a diagnostic process that way, where if he took some type of over-the-counter anti-inflammatory, as long as he doesn't have any contraindications to that, again, I don't know because I don't, your dad's not my patient, but that may... Um, you know, figure out if it's something in that. 
I, I see you're calling from Brampton, which is not far from my main clinic. Yeah. We could also set something up where I could take a look at it uh, and try to see exactly what it is that's going on. And again, these things are always better when I can do my proper assessment, you, uh, you know, figure it out and then make the right recommendations. And so far, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of people this week that were saying that, you know, you must be helping tons of people. And they were just so happy to have come see me. So, uh, you know, I'd love to, to play a, a role in your dad's health care. So if you, you know, if you're okay with it, uh, maybe give us a call and let's set something up. Yeah, I'm sorry. I haven't been listening to your phone. No, it's okay. Driving. Can you tell me your Brampton Clinic phone number? Yeah, I think John John knows the number. one 855 doctor Lou. That's D-R-L-O-U. 1-855-DR-LOU, right? Yeah, just paincarecanada.com is the website and all the information will be there. Yeah, 1-855-55-DR-LOU is that number. And for the rest of you, you want to call through, talk to us this morning. We'd love to have you on until 1 o'clock, the two-hour edition of the Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640. On your cell. And 11.32, yeah, two-hour edition of the show this week. Loving it, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Dr. Lou is here. Uh, and uh, by the way, info at paincarecanada.com is the email. And to book a free consultation at the clinic, one eight five 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 five. Dr. Lou got uh, Nick. Nick, good morning. Thanks for hanging in, pal. How are you? Good morning, um, so Dr. Lou. Uh, I was having some shoulder pains uh, earlier in the week. I went to uh, my doctor and got some uh, imaging done. And yep. I just came back that there's a partial tear Okay. and some nerve impingement. And he's recommending physio. Yep. Uh, I just want to get an idea of some differing philosophies on uh, medical care. So I was wondering, other than physio, uh, what, what else could be recommended for uh uh, partial tears and nerve impingement? Yeah, the the best thing would be something down the rehab route for sure, just because it is a muscular issue. Uh, one of the things that I've talked about a lot with the shoulder is, and, and we had uh, an orthopedic surgeon on the, uh, f- a few months ago. He's a colleague of mine that I work with very closely who actually operates on shoulders. And one of the things that's very interesting about tears is that oftentimes the source of the pain is not actually the tear. The tear is very ana- analogous to gray hair of the of the muscle. So some so tears just tend to happen over your life. And and if we took, you know, ultrasounds and imaging studies of a hundred people, a lot of people would have tears and no pain. And some people would have pain but no tears. So it doesn't often correlate very well. And it may not necessarily be the pain generating cause. Uh, it just seems sometimes is an incidental finding that you see on an ultrasound. And because it's the word tear, you tend to believe, you know, that's if it's gotta that's got to be the pain. Yeah. Same as degenerative changes like arthritis, osteoarthritis in the back or the hip, not always the cause of the pain. One of the very important things about the shoulder is posture. Um, your shoulder essentially attaches to your body through the scapula, which is the shoulder blade, uh, which articulates with the rib cage, and that's pretty much it. And then a bunch of muscles holding it in place, and that's really the only way that shoulder is getting stuck to your body. And a lot of the times with shoulder issues, uh, especially again, this is the visual component, and uh, why you know if you're listening and you have Facebook, add me because we can go through these things on there. Mm-hmm. Also, a TV show coming out uh, later in the year to, to really highlight these types of things uh, from the visual perspective. But if you can change the dynamic of the whole shoulder girdle and the way it sits on your body, well, you can take a lot of stress off of different muscles uh, and tendons and impingement and things like that. And oftentimes, that is why impingements are, are happening. It's just due to poor posture. The shoulder blade tends to fall forward because our world is in front of us, and it falling forward just ends up putting pressure uh, on structure. So, uh, I mean, this is, again, I'd, and 
and everybody's shoulder blade is different because sure. everybody's body is different. So in terms of what proper exercises you have to do to keep it in what proper place, uh, all goes based on doing a proper assessment. So uh, does that kind of answer your question, Nick? It does, yeah. I just yeah. want to get an idea sometimes. I just want, I didn't want to get caught up in philosophies of medicine and approach. So yeah. yeah. No, and, and you know what? Anytime, and I've said this before, if your doctor, if you're going in with a physical issue, something that's musculoskeletal, and they're recommending an intervention that's uh, physical in nature, like a physio, massage, chiro, et cetera, et cetera, that you're probably going down the right route. What's more uh, bothersome to me is when you go in with that and here's a pain med. Uh, yeah. and, and that may not necessarily work, right? You should try to do physical intervention to a physical problem. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. No problem. Thanks, Nick. Got uh, Daniel in line. Hi, Daniel. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. What's going on with you? Um, developing pains uh, primarily through the evenings, uh, um, muscle pains, but it's it's uh, at different locations at all times. I mentioned it to my doctor. He seems very dismissive of it. I'm mm-hmm. in excellent condition, and uh, I'm drinking the water, eating the bananas, uh, yet uh, I cramp for no reasons. Uh, where are the cramps happening? You're saying all over the body? Well, it can happen in, in the uh, calves and the thighs and uh, even in the abdominal region, sometimes um, in the arms. I don't know if it's just part of uh, muscle atrophy with my aging. How old are you? Uh, 58. Well, that's you're not that old, right? Where you would think that's something like that. You did mention you're taking, uh, you're you're trying the bananas, which is good from the potassium, potassium. standpoint. Uh, one of the things that can also lead to cramping is magnesium issues, um, and so uh, you know sometimes. And again, good sources of magnesium, any green vegetable, so lots of salads, uh, broccoli, things like that. Um, you know, the other thing that sometimes this is where I'm not a huge fan of supplement. You know, it's funny you meet a lot of people. They do everything wrong in terms of exercise diet, but they're on every supplement in the world. It's like, no, it's got to be the other way around. But (laughs) if you are doing all the right nutritional things and you're still having issues, you may have a deficiency in some type of a mineral uh, and you may actually need to supplement a little bit more. So, you know, even though you're having the the bananas, it may not necessarily be enough potassium or maybe your magnesium uh, levels are not high enough and that could be leading to it. Another thing that's very important for muscle contraction, and we don't often think of this uh, because we think calcium, we always think calcium is related to bones. It's actually more, not more, but as equally important in the contraction of muscles. So those three things are some uh, uh, big uh, types of minerals that can play a role in muscle cramping. Uh, So I'm not sure what your overall diet is like. Um, Other than the uh, Lipitor, which uh, my doctor felt uh, might be a result of yet and continue to take, uh, I just wondered if it was an onset of possible other disease. You know, maybe I'm a little bit uh, overly concerned. But. Sure. And you just, and again, this is why an assessment is so important because you get talking to someone and now that he said that, that totally changes everything. Uh, Lipitor and, and, and cholesterol types of drugs, um, statin drugs, uh, eliminate something from the body called CoQ10. CoQ10, again, is very important Quinto in Q10. pain and uh, and muscle contraction. And sometimes it, really what should be happening is anyone prescribed uh, some type of uh, cholesterol medication should also be taking CoQ10. So I would definitely have that conversation with your doctor. And if you're not supplementing with CoQ10, have that conversation and maybe that's an answer. And, and we have seen a lot of people in practice that come in with pain or on some type of a statin drug. You recommend CoQ10, it starts to get better. No kidding. Yep. Thank cool. you very much. Okay. Glad we could help you, Daniel. We'll get to, uh, I guess, Dennis before we break. Hi, Dennis. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's going on with you? Good. Uh, lower back issues. Um, I had a, I had a Those are not common. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Every, low back. Go well, ahead. I had, a, I had a lifting injury probably about 
15, 20 years ago, and I was off of work for about a month. Yeah. And uh, I went for a physio and whatnot. It got better, and probably about 10 years ago, it started to um, come back, I guess. Um, I've been seeing a chiropractor, actually quite a few. I've been to physio, but it doesn't seem to be getting better. Okay, so one of the things for sure that I want everybody to know is anytime you have an injury on any part of the body, uh, you're more likely than someone who doesn't have that injury for it to come back again, right? That's just the reality. Even like cancer patients, uh, you can go into remission, but you still always have to keep getting checked. You're at a higher risk of it coming back. That's just unfortunately the way the body works. So it's not uncommon that your low back pain uh, came back, Dennis. That's that's definitely not surprising. The next thing with treatment and the way usually low back issues work um, is the way treatment should be graded is it should be very much passive interventions in the beginning to help get the pain down, get you functional, et cetera, et cetera. And by passive, I mean the things that the person, the physio, the chiro is doing to you. And then in order to keep it at bay from coming back, the more important component becomes the the self-rehabilitation that you're going to do, the active care and doing all the right things, building up a good, strong core with uh, there's specific protocols on this. So I'm not sure if you've ever been shown those things. And then the other thing I'm not not sure of is how compliant you are with those because that's very important uh, from a from a diagnostic and treatment and plan and management perspective is we always you have to make sure that the person's recommending the right things the practitioner recommends the right things but you equally have to make sure that the patient is compliant for sure um, and rehabilitation is not easy uh, to do it properly it does take a lot of hard work so I would say if this is a long-standing issue anytime you have a, a chronic low back pain uh, really the research supports that it has to the treatment intervention has to be proper rehabilitation graded rehabilitation which is just as important. You don't want to, sometimes people just go into the hardest things possible, but you have to build it up. You have to crawl before you can walk, before you can run. And sometimes the beginning phase of rehab has to be very simple and needs to get harder and harder uh, as you start to become better in the lower stages. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. The two-hour edition of the Dr. Payne Show continues. we got some open lines. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you right here, Talk Radio, AM 640. 11.43. Yeah, we got another hour after this. This is a two-hour edition of the Dr. Payne Show. Call that number. we got open lines to talk to you. And outside of show hours, one eight five 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 doctor Lou to uh, book a free consultation. Want to throw an email uh, Luigi's way. It's info at paincarecanada.com. Got to Isaac on the line. Hey, Isaac, how are you? Uh, good morning, fellas. How are you doing? Good. What's going on with you? Uh, long story short, I've been on the operating table three times in my life, and I just turned 27 last week. Wow. Wow. I have uh, steel rods in uh, each leg. I've broken both my legs uh, in the tibia. Uh, I've also got a reconstructed wrist that uh, bends at a 45-degree angle each way. And so, yeah, I've got a lot of metal in me. I'm pretty much Iron Man. Okay. Uh, long story short, should I be taking arthritis medication even though I don't have it just to prevent the onset mm-hmm. of it coming on even though it's inevitable? Uh, okay, so let me ask you one other thing first. Why it was was the the broken bones and the fractures due to things that you did, or do you have some type of patho- pathology going on that leads to soft bones and and increased risk? Oh, it was definitely self inflicted. I'm sorry. Definitely self inflicted. Self inflicted. Okay. Um, okay. Here's the bigger thing: arthritis. So we, people often use the term arthritis, not realizing that there's uh, one art type of arthritis, which is osteoarthritis, right. which is wear and tear, and then you have other types of arthritis, which are due to autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, um, ankylosing spondylitis, et cetera, et cetera. There are a special class of medications for that side, the autoimmune diseases, which tend to keep the immune system at bay so that it doesn't attack you 
uh, and attack your joints when you actually have that. Then on the other side with osteoarthritis, really the medication is just pain medication. Um, so my, my simple answer to you be no, don't just take you know pain medication to try to prevent pain because all you're going to do is adapt to that medication and then when you actually need it, it's, not, it's probably not going to work. And even over the long term, um, it may not necessarily work anyways. Uh, if you're concerned about potentially developing arthritis, which you're right, uh, you know, it is inevitable based on your history that the more um, uh, uh, thing, uh, more injuries that you have, the more likely those areas are, are going to degenerate. Uh, if you're concerned about that stuff, that's where getting good functional assessments is probably more important so that you can understand range of motion. The other thing is uh, maybe having a practitioner who does some follow-up studies uh, to look at things. One of the things I always recommend to people, let's say someone comes in, they have a hip issue. I determine it's probably related to, you know, some some slow start of arthritis. I usually like to take an x-ray of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily because I need to confirm that there's arthritis because usually I can feel based on the physical testing that there is. But one of the things you want to do is have that as a baseline for later in life because what could happen is let's say that person 20 years later is experiencing more pain uh, and you want to see if a hip replacement might help them and you take an x-ray and those images essentially look the same well the the hip hasn't actually degenerated more but the pain levels are greater which may suggest okay maybe surgery is not the best option versus oh wow it's gotten much more severe and your pain levels have gotten more severe so uh it's really someone who can uh manage you through the course of this that's going to be important isaac yeah thank you very much no problem appreciate it got uh fred on the line Good, uh, good morning fred how are you Good morning. I'm fine, thanks. Good. And, uh, it, it, very interesting program, and I just have to call you on this one. Sure. I had a hip replacement about seven years ago, left side, and um, I know that I've, uh, I have, uh, you know, got when you, uh, as, as I say, when you interrupt God's engineering, so to speak, <laughs> you're going to feel a little bit of a difference in your body. My For right, sure. One of my foot, one of my uh, one foot is a little bit larger than the other. I have muscular depletion on that on that side. Cannot yep. go up a step easy as as expected. But just recently. I I may have twisted my body, but I'm not sure, but I've got a pain, a persistent pain above that area, around, sort of like in the kidney zone. Okay. And I'm wondering whether, uh, and before I had the the, um, the operation, I went to a seminar and they told you, they, they uh, you know, pretty well advised that uh, there may be a, a reoccurrence or another reset on, on it uh, in given time. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the doctor could maybe comment on the fact that uh, based on what I described, now this is just sort of a muscular pain, and it's alleviated if I take Tylenol, for example. Okay. Yep. But if that would be related to the hip, the, uh, the you know, let's say, declining, the, the hip, uh, the prosthesis declining to the point where I might have to have it reassessed uh, and re, maybe even re-stabilized. Okay, let me ask you a couple questions. The hip replacement is on the left side? Yes, sir. And then the pain that you're feeling in kind of that kidney area is also the left side? Yes. Okay, do you have any type of... Uh, urinary symptoms that have changed that have coordinated with that type of pain? Because you are right. One of the things you'd want to make sure is that it's not related to the kidney. So if you've had any recent problems with urination, especially, because uh, that's the function. Question. Good so, question. I am uh, under the care of a urologist for bladder control. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's where kind of looking at that area, you are right on one. 
you're right in terms of it could potentially be related to the musculoskeletal and the functional component of the hip, maybe uh, wearing out um, and, and muscular issues responding. And then we have fascial chains, which don't just stop in one area that tend to move around. Uh, so okay. it could be related to that. But again, with your history, you'd also want to make sure that it's potentially not a kidney issue. Um, so yeah, I think those are two important things to consider. And obviously, it, you know, my recommendation would be rule out the kidney stuff first, just because vital organs are always more important to make sure that those are healthy versus the the pain level stuff. And then, you know, once you've ruled that out, then you can start to kind of look at uh, the musculoskeletal issue. Uh, and and again, proper assessment is the key here where you can, uh, the functional assessment is where where you'll get the answer on that for sure. Is it is it customary, if I could say that, to have a, a re, re, um, sur- re surgery done on the same side? Uh, yeah, well, most uh, replacements of any kind, whether it's a knee or a hip, they do have a certain amount of lifespan that they will last, right? Mm-hmm. That's why most physicians uh, will and surgeons will try to have the conversation with the individual and delay it as long as possible. So you never really want to, you know, put, unless it's absolutely necessary, a, a new joint in someone that's very young, because every 10, 15 years, yeah. uh, depending on the body part, uh, those things will have to, you know, be replaced. So uh, yeah, everything has a lifespan for sure. Good. One more question, if I, if yep, I may. Yeah, for now, sure. Could, could this be detected um, through an X-ray? Uh, what's that? If the if uh, the, the uh, an X-ray of the hip top, the the, the area where it was, that was operated, taking an X-ray in that area, would that be determinant of or that the muscular pain? I even think I may have twisted the body mm-hmm. to the point where I got the pain that way. Assuming that it's related to that, to that or the hip, and maybe not. See the, the kidney. Of course, being under a urologist and getting the te- blood test and the PSA every time I go to them, I would think, tell me if I'm wrong, that the detection of the uh, case of the kidney would be detectable there or not? In the PSA testing? Yes. No, not necessarily. The PSA specific to the prostate. It's oh, prostate-specific yeah, antigen. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's the blood test that I take before I go to you, I'm not sure whether it's mm-hmm. the PSA that he's, they're looking at. Oh, well, yeah, depending, you know, urine analysis can also pick that type of stuff up. Uh, and depending on the blood work, yeah, it's potentially uh, something that could be picked up. But I would suggest that, you know, for sure have that, uh, that conversation with your urologist, for sure. And give us a call if you want to discuss this a little bit more. Appreciate the call, Fred. Uh, hang on the line. We'll get to you if you want to call 416 Seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. Few minutes left in the first hour of this two hour edition of the Doctor Payne Show Talk Radio AM six forty. Got a few minutes left here in the first hour. Then we'll get into hour two, which is a normal hour. We extended it by uh, by one this week here in the Doctor Payne Show. Get right back into it, Sandy. Good morning. Hi, Sandy. You there, Sandy? <laughs> Sandy's in a windstorm. We'll talk to uh, Glenn. Hi, Glenn. Hi there, how are you? Good, what's going on? I had a uh, right knee replacement uh, four months ago, mm-hmm. and then it was badly infected. Ooh. And now the uh, we got that under control, but there's still a great deal of swelling. Yeah. And this is the fourth month. Right. Have you done any rehab towards the actual knee? I did knee? all the rehab. Yeah. And then uh, the swelling is still quite severe. Okay, have you followed up with the surgeon? I have, yes. And what has he or she suggested? Well, he's going to uh, re, uh, re-X-ray it in two weeks. Okay. And I'm just wondering if anything can be done about the, the swelling that I have on the knee now. Yeah, so so I definitely think the right course of action is being taken in terms of... Uh, 
of getting to the bottom of what's going on by the surgeon, which is very important. In terms of swellings, if, you know, uh, elevating your leg, putting ice on it and pressure, those are some things that will help the swelling to go down. Those are very simple things that should always be followed uh, for, uh, for swelling and following surgery. But I think the more important thing is continual follow-up with the surgeon to figure out why it's still going on because there may be something going on that you don't know, and that's the important part. But definitely from just the swelling perspective, uh, elevation, pressure, ice are, are very important things that, and easy things that will help with that. Is this Sandy again? Sakani. Sakani. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Okay, what's your concern? So a couple of years now, I've been having lower back pain, and about two years ago, I got diagnosed with sciatica on my right side. Went to physio, did all the work, it started to clear up. Then I started having sciatica again on my left side. The doctor recommended that I did an MRI. When I did the MRI, the MRI showed that I had a mild stenosis in my lower back. Okay. He said all I needed to do was starting to work on it. I joined the gym, I did physio, I did rehab, I did chiropractor, I did acupuncture, I did everything. Mm-hmm. Pain is not going away. Recently, I got an x-ray done on my back, and it showed that I had a narrowing in my L5 and my L1. Now, the type of pain that I'm having is I can't sit for long. I have pains in my hip. When I bend forward, my hip hurts, and now the pain is traveling through my legs and giving me this numb feeling in both legs. Okay. So I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah, so this is, again, uh, the important thing here is right treatment, or sorry, right diagnosis equals right treatment. Um, And so... I, I, you know, a lot of times people come in and they say, I, I've done the chiro, I've done the physio, I've done this, I've done that. Yep. That doesn't necessarily mean you've done it right. right. And that's not necessarily your fault, uh, Sikandi. That's probably the fault of, of the practitioner, obviously, um, or maybe a combination of both. I don't know if you're not a compliant patient, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but something like a stenosis needs to be dealt with in a very specific way. Uh, as things degenerate, it can lead to more stenosis. The other thing is the stenosis may not be uh, a peripheral or, or lateral stenosis. It, it could be a central stenosis actually affecting the spinal cord. Uh, and the only reason why I say that is because you're complaining of symptoms in both legs. Um, and that's very consistent. And again, this is stenosis. Anytime there's a narrowing, the important thing is to really uh, look at the whole individual and understand the specific case. So I'm sometimes hesitant to give uh, broad recommendations for stenosis because then everybody listening will try the same thing. And that same thing may help some people with stenosis, but it may actually make other people with stenosis uh, worse. So you're the type of example where I would definitely need to assess it, review the imaging studies, and then make the very specific recommendations for you that will help you specifically. Okay. 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 Give us a call. Well, all right. No problem. Thank you, doctors. No problem. Thank you, doctors. doctors. I, I, I skipped med skulls. school. Brilliant. Doctor skulls. Outstanding. I like it. Well, come on. By now, you must know a lot of stuff. I got my PhD, my pool hall diploma. That's how I grew <laughs> up, buddy. We're gonna take a, a short break uh, for John, Gino, Tony. Guys, hang on the line. We invite you to hang on through the news and the break. We'll get to you on the other side of the break. As we, uh, we're loving this two-hour edition of the Dr. Payne Show and more coming up. Hang on the line for the rest of you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. We'll continue with the Dr. Payne Show in a few minutes. Talk Radio AM 640.
Okay, 12.02. That was the shortest news break of all time. That was uh, fantastic. The coffee's not even brewed yet. <laughs> I love this. 416-870. I know, right? Well, you, you wanted two hours, pal. This that's is how it, it works. That's it. Yeah. We started 11 today, and we're still going to go till uh, 1 o'clock on the uh, Dr. Payne show. we got uh, Tony on the line. Hey, Tony. Hey, how you doing? Good. What's going on with you? Um, a little background. Uh, I've got three brothers and a sister, and they've all, and in their 50s, they all had stints, but then we got cholesterol in our family. What was and, the first part before the cholesterol? It's stent? Uh, they, they've all had, what, stents put in? Oh, stents. stents. Okay, yeah, I didn't hear stents. that. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Uh, I know in my 60s, and I've been lucky I have nothing. Uh, up until about January 8th, um, severe pain. I thought it was back pain, so I was tolerating it. Never went away. Had to go to the hospital. It ended up being a, what they call the massive blood clot in my lung. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering, does something like that take a period of time to build up? Uh, yeah, potentially the, you know, clots and things like that. And, you know, anything related to kind of the vascular system, uh, doesn't just tend to happen. So yeah, it does yeah. tend to build up. Did where did the clot come from? Do they know, or it just formed well, in the lungs? They, well, they figured, they figured it came from my leg. Yeah. I, I hadn't been on any long flights or anything like that, but I'm a courier and right. I've, been a, I've driven a lot. Over right. Years. Yeah, so oftentimes deep vein thromboses uh, are clots in in the calves, uh, and they can dislodge, and then they get stuck in the lung, and then they can lead to congestive heart failure. So, yeah, definitely peripheral vascular issues, especially if there's a history of it. Uh, Anytime you're starting to have uh, one of the big things that, you know, we always do is if someone comes in, they have a history of any type of heart disease, Mm -hmm. and they're having calf pain or anything like that, there's some simple physical tests that you can do to start getting a sense, could this or could this not be a DVT? Uh, But then also doing some type of a Doppler ultrasound is the gold standard in terms of actually seeing it. And even sometimes that will miss it. Um, But definitely if there's vascular issues and a lot of times people don't even know if they have vascular issues. Uh, I would say, you know, some of the big things here are, do you have heart disease in your family, whether that's diabetes, uh, someone that had stroke, heart attacks, high cholesterol, et cetera, anything that constitutes heart disease. And then for yourself, you know, some people, uh, you can look at their skin changes when there's poor blood flow in the legs. You tend to lose some hair. The skin starts to crack. Uh, your nails start to change. Your feet don't look very healthy. You're often cold. Those are all things that probably suggest mm-hmm. uh, that there's not the greatest blood supply in those areas. Uh, so, you know, you may want to try to figure out if you potentially have vascular issues. Uh, the other reason why vascular issues are important is because in the carotid and vertebral arteries, which are the arteries that bring blood to your brain, uh, if clots dislodge there, it leads to stroke. And, and you know, that's that's a that's an emergency, right? So so is a, a blood clot for sure in the lungs because uh, it can lead to congestive heart failure. But that tends to take a little bit longer versus a stroke. You, you, it's a matter of minutes, right? And depending on which part of the brain, you, you could could kill you. Right. So, so definitely, uh, follow, continue to follow up with, uh, your cardiologist and any type of vascular surgeon, et cetera, to, to get a good answer to that. Cause it is important to, uh, to track for sure. 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell. John, good afternoon. How are you? Uh, good afternoon. Um, I have, uh, I guess, medium to severe pain in both my ankles, uh, specifically on my left side. That one probably hurts more than the right side. However, when the right side hurts, it also shoots pain up my right leg. Now, some history, I had a massive blood clot in my right leg last year, about this time, actually, um, and pneumonia. So, but nobody's been able to tell me what, what this is all about. My GP seems to be flustered and uh, can't figure out why I'm getting this pain. 
Okay. How's your health overall? Like uh, generally, 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 it's good. Um, okay. You know, I'm on blood thinners okay. now as a result of the clot. Okay. Um, and um, but it's just it's such a pain, especially when I get out of the car. It's very, very painful. So a l- it, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and then it you know it'll subside a bit, but it's always there. There's always a level of pain in both legs. Right. Um, okay. Uh, when I asked about the health, even uh, are you overweight at all? Yeah, I am. I am. And I'm working. I'm working on, on bringing that down. Now, what? Like, how bad is it? Something where it's just a little overweight, or are you in the obese uh, side? Say, I'm, yeah, I'm six. I'm six foot, um, and I'm probably weighing in about two forty. Okay, so, so stand to lose about forty pounds. Yeah, for sure. So that that's a big thing for sure. Uh, with issues like that, is is really getting into a healthy lifestyle, bringing that weight down, uh, and it help it tends to help a lot with those types of things. Um, you know, some and again, sometimes it's also just genetics, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can be a perfect. Uh, body weight and have all the right things and you just you know your genetics for whatever reason sometimes end up screwing you uh, and you might just be predisposed to those things it's the reality diabetes in my family i'm sure i'll be screwed one day no matter what i do uh but yeah definitely doing your best to try to get in good health and managing your weight for those types of issues is going to be very very important okay thank you no problem thanks john appreciate that tony thanks for hanging in pal what's going on with you Yes, yeah, sorry, this is just a little follow-up to my lung problem. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, a couple of years ago, or maybe three or four, and I've been lucky with the heart thing. My, in my family all over the place, but I've been lucky. A few years ago, I, I was having beer and some wings at home, and I felt nauseous. And so I, I didn't want to have anything else, so I went to the kitchen, put them down, and I collapsed in the kitchen, like gasped for air, and I just went out. And uh, you know, a few seconds later, my son came and picked me up, and I was sitting down, and it seemed to pass, and it seemed like within a few minutes, everything was fine. Could that be related to that clot that was building up years ago, a long time ago? Or? Well, it could be related to, again, the fact that it may not necessarily be that specific clot, but maybe the fact that there's a, a bigger overall um, heart disease peripheral vascular issue going on where that may also be have been affecting your heart other things it's very hard to say uh it could have been related to that i'm not sure but it does definitely sound like there's a a component of heart disease here and you know again that's a very very important thing to control uh getting the right medical treatment as well as doing the right lifestyle things right Right. eating the right foods exercising uh and exercising you know just some 30 minutes of walking three or four times a day can can really drastically improve those things, especially when you look at cholesterol levels. People who are on cholesterol medications, uh, their LDL is what usually is high and their HDL is low, uh, which the HDL is the good... The happy cholesterol. Yeah, the happy the H, cholesterol. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the biggest things that increases HDL, which tends to decrease LDL, is movement and exercise. That's what, yeah. what produces HDL in the body. So definitely, I think, uh, you know, healthy lifestyle is a very, very important thing. Um, and again, continuing to get the, the medical care that you're getting. Yeah, yeah, I guess when that happened a few years ago, since then I lost, I lost probably about 40 pounds. Okay. And yep. uh, I'm on cholesterol and all that kind of stuff. It was just that one episode I had, never had to repeat. But then right. we have this lung problem. I just wonder if that'd be connected somehow. Yeah, it could be. There's there's a lot of things it could be, right? It could be vi- some viruses are pretty nasty and can mimic a lot of things if you've been sick, et cetera, et cetera. If you were dehydrated, poor, you know, whatever. Exhaustion there's a multitude be, of things yeah. it could have been. But yeah, yeah. for sure, uh, you know, that it could have also therefore been something to do with the vascular system for sure as well. Tony, appreciate your call. We'll take a, a quick break here. The uh, second hour of the Dr. Payne Show continues. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on sale. Lots more of your calls coming right up on Talk Radio AM 640.
12-12 here in the normal hour. We went two hours today, right till 1 o'clock. Loving it. Uh, you want to call after the show to book a free consultation, one 855 55 Lou. Go to info at com. We had a friend yours was going to call in, but she's a little shy. Yeah, she's shy. She doesn't want to okay. call in. But it is a very interesting case to okay. share with everyone, and she thinks it might actually help other people. So a quick um, little thing about her health history is she uh, was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis, which is one of those autoimmune okay. uh, type of arthritis. Um, and, you know, she was also one of the things with those is you're on a lot of different medications, yep. autoimmune medications uh, to stop the immune system uh, and also corticosteroids. The problem where that complicates uh, people's lives, she's my age, uh, is her and her husband wanted to start having kids. And you don't necessarily want to be on that heavy dosage of medication while you're doing that. So she's messaging me saying, how do you manage that without taking the pain medication? Um, And it's a great question. And, you know, people that are listening going through the same thing. it's, it's, it is hard, right? Especially when you're dealing with autoimmune things. The biggest thing when you're dealing with any type of uh, very serious pain thing like an autoimmune condition or chronic pain is there's a lot of people where a lot of times people forget to consider the other things that contribute to pain. And it's not necessarily always just the chemical issues, okay. but there's the physical issues. So doing, again, continual treatment, um, acupuncture, physiotherapy, different types of things that you can still do through pregnancy. Um, there's also good nutrition. Good nutrition really helps to Huge. play a role in pain levels, depending some things are pro-inflammatory and you'd want to eliminate those things. And the other big thing is the psychological aspect, right? A lot of times these issues... Um, tend to, they go hand in hand, right? Where the person's psychology is affected. So also managing your mental health. And so in the absence, and you know, the best approach is really trying to take it from every angle there. But if you can't do one because of a certain circumstance in life, like you're you're pregnant and you don't want to be on that heavy dosage of medication, that's just one silo of that bigger amount of things that you can do. And you could still be targeted from all those other issues. And at the very least, it may not necessarily be as good as if you targeted it from everything, including the meds. But at the very least, least it's better than not doing anything so uh, i hope that kind of helps people if anyone has more specific questions on that again it's more related to the specific case but i definitely wanted to touch on that i was hoping she would call because i thought the call would be nice to have someone that's a a good friend and a patient of mine but she's a little shy that's okay (laughs) anna Uh, hi anna how are you hi hi dr lou hi um, I, I'm seeing a lot of advertisements for spinal decompression, mm-hmm. uh, laser type uh, procedures to relieve spinal pain, spinal stenosis. My father is 86 years old, so he's up there mm-hmm. and he's got congestive heart failure, COPD, but all of his conditions are really well managed and he's stable. Right. One of the worst things about what he's enduring now is the pain in his spine. Right. He uses a walker. Mm-hmm. He's able to get around, but his walking is becoming more painful and more labored. And in order to keep, you know, the congestive heart failure, you know, not at bay, but to manage it, For moving sure. is important. Yep, now, absolutely. what are your thoughts on spinal decompression, laser procedures that you hear advertised on TV and on the radio? Mm-hmm. Is, is it safe for somebody his age or is it just out of the question? Well, what I'll say is that 
I, I think every treatment intervention that we have available to us in society definitely plays a role, 100%. It's just who does it play the role for is the, the bigger question. And that's the harder thing for us to pair up in healthcare is who responds to what. And, you know, sometimes even we tend to think, yes, this will help that person. And then it doesn't just because everyone's different. And you may have the best available research saying, yes, this is the gold standard for this issue. That person doesn't do that or does do that and it doesn't work. Uh, and that's just the reality of healthcare. What I can tell you for spinal stenosis that's important is you are absolutely right with his other comorbidities going on is that continual movement is absolutely essential for him. Now, understanding the pathology of stenosis, uh, one of the things is, and, you're, and I'm sure you've noticed with your dad, he's kind of stooped forward when he's walking. Yeah. That's oh, his big time. Yeah. Big time. His body is naturally doing that to take pressure off the nerves in the spinal cord where the stenosis is happening because it's opening up that area. So one of the great things to keep cardiovascular health and also uh, help to manage the spinal stenosis the is riding a bike. Yeah. And so you can get special ones. I don't mean like, you know, a spinning bike that someone who's in great shape would use, but there are bikes that have the bigger seats where you can kind like of recumbent sit down. bikes. Yeah. Recumbent bikes. Yeah. The, there's also sometimes you can go to different healthcare stores. And, and again, you can give me a call. I can help facilitate this where it's just yeah. pedals that you can get that you put in front of the chair. And so they're already kind of in that seated position. And again, that's going to benefit their cardiovascular health and not necessarily hurt their cool. spinal stenosis. So, uh, uh, very, and again, I guess my overall answer to what your question was is, yeah. yes, everything plays a role um, in treating but, people. The bigger question is pairing up for which people it's right. And I'm not necessarily sure that, you know, laser or decompression therapy would be the right thing for your dad. Number one, because I haven't actually assessed them. So I, sure. after I do, maybe I would think that. Uh, but yeah, that's the hard part in healthcare is pairing up what the right treatment is for the diagnosis. But the fact that he's 86 mm -hmm. with congestive heart failure with COPD, both of which are being managed, just on the surface, and of course I don't take your word without you investigating and seeing mm -hmm. him, but just clinically and based on what I'm saying, is he absolutely like it, it's not an option if for, on, on based on what you're hearing from me? For spinal decompression, laser surgery for the spine. I, I keep seeing these seniors saying, oh, this saved my life. Well, I'm of no course, everything's in advertising. Companies don't tend to ad advertise and say, yeah, this, this doesn't don't really do this. work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, what I meant is yeah. that it, it shows older people as candidates. Right. Sure. It's an advertising. Yeah. Again, I, I want to be a little hesitant to specifically answer that just because I'm not a hundred percent sure. I can definitely tell you on the laser surgery, I, I that may uh, be an option. Uh, but with decompression therapy, decompression therapy, it, it really, really depends. Uh, sometimes it can actually make people worse. How fragile the uh, area is. Yeah. Right? So, so again, I, I'm a little hesitant to answer it specifically oh, just because I don't want anybody listening, whether it's you or someone else saying, yeah, that's the option. You need to pair it up with the person and I'm not going to, it doesn't do it justice for me to just give broad stroke um, advice like that. What I am, I, what I am happy to say is that uh, it may play an option and we just need to figure out if it is an option to consider. Hey, Sharon, we'll uh, get you in quickly before the break. We've got a lot of calls lined up. What's going on with you? Okay, um, Dr. Lowe, I just want to find out. Um, I got a few um, nodules in my throat, and half of my thyroid is, is out, but um, it's, the nodule is floating, and um, whenever they put needle in my throat, they cannot um, get a biopsy, and, um, and therefore I just wanted to know um, what you have to say about it and what food I should prevent, and um, if I should 
keep taking this um, needle, which is which is a terrible thing to put through my um, throat, and then they cannot get an, uh, a biopsy. So what is the thyroid problem? What is it? Uh, no, I have a um, floating nodule. Oh, floating nodule. Okay, yes. I saw on the screen here it's a thyroid. And so they want to try to biopsy that nodule? Um, yes, and then um, what happened? They put needle in my throat, and then um, twice, three times, four times, and then the, the specialist tells me to go back because they cannot, it's floating and they cannot get it. So the last time I did not bother to go back. So he said to um, come back in March and we will, they'll do a, um, a um, ultrasound again and then we'll go over it again. Yep. And then also I heard that um, I shouldn't eat broccoli because that is not good for it. And so I just wanted you to um, throw some light and tell me what I should eat and what is this floating nodule about. Yeah, so what I can tell you for sure is I don't think you should really be worrying on the diet side of things. I don't mm -hmm. think that's as important maybe as you're you've been led to believe. What I can tell you is that you need to get it checked out to see what it is. Uh, sometimes with... Uh, procedures, they can also do ultrasound-guided procedures where they're actually doing the ultrasound while they're trying to get right. there. So that may be the next option when you're considering uh, with that doctor, uh, that they may be that may be an option they're considering just so they can actually see where they're going versus a standard biopsy where you're just kind of trying to guess and, and not guess, but, you know, a, a, a clinical guess. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, I, I think the important part here is getting figured out what that is. I've never heard that broccoli is bad for that, so I can't comment on that i would say most vegetables are healthy but i i'm again Getting i'm not caught there or something I, I'm, I'm not 100 sure right. but i i would say the biggest recommendation is continued follow-up to figure out what it is 416-870-6400 star 640 on sale lots more of your calls coming right up after a wee little break here on the dr Payne show talk radio am 640 yeah and a reminder as well a 1-855-55 dr lou you can leave a message like you would be calling on the air here and uh, get a get an answer and a consultation uh, with Dr. Lou after the show is option, we got to, option two. When option you call. two, yeah, is that what it is? It's going to leave me a message. It right. gives you a little rundown of what to do. Uh, it leaves me a message. I'll get back to you within 48 hours just because our, our phone lines are jammed right now, but that's great. Keep the calls coming. Uh, but for anyone who can't get us before the end of the show, I'm, I'm happy to, to help you anytime. And again, I'll get back to you at the latest within 48 hours, but cool. usually within a few hours of that message. You may also want to leave when is a good time for me to call sure. you back. The other thing is the social media stuff. So Twitter, Facebook, uh, Dr. Lou on Facebook. You can send me Facebook messages. Uh, again, it's it's more similar to this where there's a big following mm -hmm. and we can kind of discuss issues with everybody and, and help and help each other. Got uh, John on the line. Hey, John, how are you, pal? Oh, not too bad. Well, not too good. All right. <laughs> That's why you're <laughs> yeah, calling. you're not calling if you're good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, well, I would say for the past three weeks, I've been, um, I got my right uh, scrotum has been really, really swollen. Um, it's like severe pain and it's basically swollen to the size of a large orange. Okay. And, uh, you know, I went to the hospital and they, uh, you know, checked it out, ultrasound. And what they came up with was uh, something called epidemorchitis. Yep. Uh, what, like, trying to find out what that is, and they're like, you know, I'm, what I'm concerned about, like, they gave me antibiotics, and that, that, that's helped the um, the bacteria and the pain a little bit, but it's still swollen yeah. and very, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, would that be damaging the testicle, or? Um, would it be damaging? I mean, nothing is ever good. Is it damaging it? The, the important thing is you've done the right things. Anytime you see that, how old are you, John? I'm 50. 
50. Okay. So the big thing with swollen testicles is you start worrying about, you know, uh, testicular cancer. Mm -hmm. However, yep. you're out of the age range. It is more the most common between like 18 to 30. Um, right. So obviously you did the right thing by going to get it looked at and they found that it's some type of an infection. In all yeah. honesty, it just sometimes takes time. It could take longer than what was initially expected. Um, antibiotics yeah. are definitely a component to be playing in that. Um, and you need to continue doing that. I would also suggest that you follow up with whomever you saw uh, and just right. let them know it's still there. But yeah, sometimes these things can just take longer than what was expected. But the important thing is to make sure that it's not something more serious. I mean, they're, they're further, they're going further. They want to do more ultrasounds. Like I've finished my antibiotics. They give me about 14 days worth. Yeah. And, um, they said that, you know, okay, we're going to test everything, do a PSA test. Yep. Um, and also check the, uh, the sperm, I guess they want to make sure nothing's in there. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what else they're going to look for. And they said that the swelling will be absorbed by the body. Is that accurate? Or do I just like pee it out? I, I don't know. No, usually it is going to be absorbed through the lymphatic system. Uh, but yeah, okay. those are all the right things that are, are being done. And I just encourage you continue down that path um, right. and, and get the answers. Like uh, the, that's all that you can really do is yeah. keep keep trying to get answers. Anytime okay. in the absence of, of a resolution, uh, you need to keep looking. Keep at it. Well, what is it? What mm -hmm. could it be? And one thing that I've encouraged people to do, because I do find this is a, this is a problem, is a lot of physicians do tend to become dis you know, dismiss it or healthcare practitioners where it's just like, yeah, no, it's right. nothing, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. You, you're responsible for your healthcare. Uh, people need to understand as a patient, you're the one in charge. We're right. just, we're working for you, right? So you're in charge. Make sure that you, the people you're dealing with are, are trying to get to the bottom of the issues that you're facing. Got uh, Tracy on the line. Good afternoon, Tracy. Good afternoon. Hi, what's your concern? Um, well, so I've been having an issue. Um, my left shoulder, I have a lot of pain in my left shoulder. Um, and, uh, I saw my GP and I do, I work out a lot. He told me it was pain from working out. doesn't feel like that to me. I do get sore muscles a lot from working out, but, um, so I stopped working out that specific muscle group and it hasn't actually gotten better at all. Okay. And, uh, it's not constant. So it comes and goes and it comes on at weird times. Like yesterday I lifted a box that was maybe a pound and shooting pain just went up and down my shoulder. Like I had popped it at a plate. Okay. Um, yep. So... Again, sometimes it could be related to a caller earlier in the show. Uh, it could be related to impingement issues where, again, the posture of the shoulder uh, is affecting the structures in that area and putting more pressure on one area than another. Another thing that's uh, shooting and shoulder always makes me think you need to get your neck checked as well uh, to make sure it's not a nerve issue from the neck referring pain, which is often missed in shoulder issues because you tend to feel the pain there. And so the practitioner and the patient believe the source of the issue is therefore local but sometimes it could be uh, some type of a radiating pain uh, from the neck. So I would say those are two important things to consider with the shoulder issue is that, yeah, you may have stopped, uh, but if it's a postural issue, then your posture probably has an overall change and there's still probably extra pressure on that. Um, and then the other thing to consider is, could it be a neck issue radiating pain into that area? Okay, someone who I actually go to the gym with mentioned that because I'm on a low-calorie diet, and I do lots of strength training exercises that I may have damaged my muscle, but I don't eat enough calories to be able to repair it. I don't know if that... That's, uh, yeah, for sure. That's, that's all, you know, f that's our body's fuel, right? So, and that's all, it's going to take the fuel to, to fix the things that we have problems with. So, yeah, if you're on a low calorie diet, that could also be 
uh, an issue where your body just doesn't have the right energy. The other thing that happens um, uh, when you're in uh, a low-calorie diet is your body goes into what's called gluconeogenesis, which just means making of new glucose, and it will start to break down muscle in order to do that, right? So, So if you have a muscular injury, and then at the same time, you're in a state where your body is breaking down muscle, it's probably not a good combination. Uh, So yeah, I think that's something you may want to consider and get that looked at as well. Tracy, I appreciate the call. We'll take a short break. More of your phone calls coming right up after a little one here. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And if you don't get a chance to call us today or... uh you're not by a phone, one 855 doctor Lou. Option two, leave a message, and uh, Dr. Lou will get back to you after the show is over. More of the Dr. Payne Show coming right up. Talk Radio, AM 640. It is 1233. You are busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest, my friend. There are a lot of phone calls <laughs> your, coming your through. Your one-liners are the best. Some of the things you've said to me I've never heard before. And you'll never hear them on the air yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. If only people know what happens on the break here. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Shelly, good afternoon. How are you? Shelly. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. What's going on with you? Well, I have a number of things. I have two bulging discs in my four and five. I have a torn disc uh, or tear in the disc, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I have um, arthritis in my back as well as uh, uh, the other uh, starts with an F. And at any rate, I have a good doctor. He's been managing the pain, of course, with medication. I've tried many different things between laser all kinds of things right now i've been currently going through the process of having nerves for lack of the right term burnt Mm. where they use the x-ray machine they insert the needle and they put a burning fluid in or i'm not sure exactly what it is it sometimes causes me even more pain and lasts for extended periods of time when they're burning the nerve Mm. and the the medications of course you get you get somewhat immune to them so you have to back off go on to different things i find it makes me so tired and so exhausted the whole process mentally physically and i'm still in this in this pain where it's only it's just bearable just manageable even with the medication and you can't go on more i don't know what else to do it does affect me mentally beyond imagination and i I'm I'm torn as to what else I can do. Where can I go? I, I I mean, they're doing what I think is the best they can do, but I'm not a. Um, a I I went to a um, a surgeon, and I'm not a candidate for surgery. They said it could cause more damage than I already have, possibly. Mm-hmm. So I. Honestly, I'm just kind of exhausted, and mm-hmm. I've been on medication now for well over a year, and I was on fentanyl, which I hated. It just made me want to sleep. Yep. Um, so now I'm on a hydromorph, a, a low dose of hydromorph with a maximum of four Percocet a day, which it's just... Okay, like- so, Shelley, let me stop you for a second. Besides the medical interventions that you've done, have you done any good rehabilitation? Well, I, I did go to, I can't afford, I'm right now not currently, like, if I, if I excel, I can't work, because if I excel for more than one day, then I'm off for two. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, so, and I don't have the finances to continually go to a, uh, a, a therapeutic process where mm-hmm. they're constantly doing massages or whatever. 
Um, so the only thing that I've been able to do is through the medical uh, process mm-hmm. that's covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there, there are some options, some OHIP options for physiotherapy, however, uh, if you qualify for them. Um, the other thing about when I say physical uh, treatment is you don't you don't necessarily have to do a million physical treatments when you're working with that type of a professional, be it a chiropractor, a physiotherapist, uh, athletic therapist, whomever. A lot of it is the advice that they're going to give you and the exercises that you need to be doing, which is a very important component. The other thing that's extremely important in in your type of case is. Uh, is control of the mental aspect of pain, cognitive behavior therapy yeah, tailored huge. towards pain management. Uh, because again, we've gone this through this a lot on the show where your body learns pain um, and that pain may not necessarily be due to a physical problem anymore. It may just be due to the fact that that pain is now created in the mind. And so you have to target the mind. So, um, you know, and I see a lot of cases like yours and I and I actually saw a lady this week and it was a, a very sad case because uh, I, I saw that all she was put on was just a bunch of different medications, which again, play their role. Absolutely. I I don't doubt that. And I encourage that as well. But again, as I mentioned, when I was talking about my friend with the the autoimmune issue, when you look at pain management, you're looking at it from the chemical interventions, you're looking at it from the physical interventions, from the mental interventions, um, and playing a role between all of those things, even support systems. A lot of the time we say psychosocial, where we're considering the person's um, disposition and mind, as well as looking at what's their environment like, having a healthy environment. Like a lot of people are not happy in their lives and that tends to affect everything. So proper pain management needs to be all those silos of care working together. And unfortunately, in your case, Shelly, it sounds like you're just doing one of those uh, and you're missing another three or four potentially very important what. Uh, to try to get your body better. And, uh, you know, I know it's hard work. I know it can cost money. Um, it unfortunately is just the reality of, of the way this works. And I, I you know, my, I, I understand where you're coming from, but the reality is uh, that sometimes, you know, you got to do it. And, and if you want to get better, it, it may cost a little bit of money depending on where you're going. Again, I, I, I think there's better places than others that aren't necessarily looking to rip people off. I have providers around, uh, give us a call. I, you know, I've personally myself, uh, if someone doesn't uh, make enough money, I've treated people for free. For me, it's not about the money. It's about getting uh, people better. So uh, give us a call. Let, let me go through a proper assessment with you at the very least uh, to try to make very specific recommendations. Shelly, that number one, pardon me, one eight five 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 five. Dr. Lou, we'll get to uh, one more before we go take a break. Hi, Joe. Uh, good morning, doctor. Hey, good morning. Uh, I was mentioning to the other fellow, doctor, I, I have a congestive heart failure and a, a pituitary uh, tumor. And I've been treating that, I've been having treated that for a while now, for maybe about five, seven years. And everything seems to be under control. But the problem that I have constantly, doctor, is I'm constantly in pain, tired. I tried your products, the ones that you sell in your programs from Purity Products and from Dr. Newton. No, that's not me. (laughs) Yeah, the latest one that I tried was uh, a magnesium and calcium combination that I thought it might work because they were hitting the nail on every symptom that they they said. No, but you said those were products that I sell. I have nothing to do with those products. No, I'm sorry. I mean the radio station. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, it has nothing to do with me. Right, it's a program. It's a program that that they have here at AMC sure. Forty on Saturdays by the Purity Products and Doctor Newton. So I tried okay. the product, 
and they don't seem to work. The problem is, you know, I'm constantly in pain on my legs, you know, tiredness. Um, so I figure, you know, by, by trying some of these things, it might work, but nothing seems to work. Do you have any ideas, doctor, as to what I could, as a supplement maybe that could help me to, with my pain? Yeah, so what I will ask you now is what's your the other aspects of your lifestyle, like like diet and exercise? My diet is it's okay. I, 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 I was exercising up to about three weeks ago, doctor. Thank you for bringing that point again. Uh, up to three weeks ago, doctor, I was exercising about three times a week, doing a little bicycle because of my heart condition. But three weeks ago, doctor, all of a sudden I had a change in, in my heart, meaning that, you know, all of a sudden I could, if I was able to walk, for example, a mile or a couple of miles, all of a sudden I couldn't even walk, you know, for 500 meters. So I had to go to the hospital, and they told me that everything was fine. And yet I feel shortness of breath, and I feel tired. It's not like I used to do about three, four weeks ago. Right. Well, I would definitely say what's important in your uh, scenario is a very good lifestyle for sure. And then also figuring out why that would have happened three weeks ago. It doesn't sound like there's a, a proper answer to that. And because of that, I'm, I would not you know, specifically recommend any type of supplement uh, for pain. And again, the, what I just said to the last caller, pain management is managed by a bunch of different avenues. Uh, and I'll, and I'll state it again. It's, it's the chemical stuff. Uh, it's the nutritional stuff. It's the exercise stuff. It's the physical rehabilitation stuff. Um, it's the surgery potentially there's lots of silos and, uh, you need to pain management needs to include all of those, but it also has to be tailored specifically to your specific issue and comorbidities, right? Mm -hmm. Because you want to make sure that you're recommending things that don't, um, you know, as we were talking with, I, I forget her name, but about her father with the stenosis, uh, you know, you don't want him to stop, uh, exercising because he's got heart issues, but you also, the exercising is contributing to pain with the stenosis. Right. So what's the right exercise? Uh, and that's where, you know, I mentioned the biking. So uh, these are issues that you got to take it from every single angle. More of your calls coming up here. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You can go to info at paincarecanada.com. And of course, your consultation's free. Get in, see Dr. Lou, one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. Dr. Pain Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Is it Cheyenne? Hi. Hi. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Thank you. Okay. Um, I've been having headaches. Um, they've been on and off since last year. I had an MRI. Everything came back clear. Um, and over this past week, I don't know if it was stress-related. I don't think it was stress-related, but um, I've been having constant dull headaches at the back of my head, and it kind of affects my vision, mm -hmm. um, and I've been a bit dizzier. Mm -hmm. um, I've been taking ibuprofen for a bit, but I don't want to keep popping them constantly. Um, I'm scared of kidney damage. So um, I was just wondering if there was any anything you could recommend. Yep, for sure. So a big component for headaches to consider in the absence of true pathology, which would have been ruled out in um, in the MRI, is and and you said the base of your your skull um, is neck issues, right? And okay. so your neck posture, depending on what you're doing, a lot most headaches have a neck component. Um, and so getting the neck treated can, can very, very much help those types of headaches for sure. Um, and so again, the big thing with headaches is making sure that it's nothing serious, 
okay. uh, which again, the MR would have looked for those types of things. Right. Um, and, and so if it's nothing serious, in my experience, uh, most other types of headaches, even if it's say something like a migraine, a cluster headache, a tension headache, a cervicogenic mm-hmm. headache, they all have a neck component and treating the neck. Uh, you know, for some of them, say it's cervicogenic or, or tension type headaches, tends to be exactly what you need and it, and it helps resolve 100%. Uh, right. But then even with the migraines, I have a ton of patients who I treat uh, for migraines and I do a lot of neck work with them. Um, and it, it may not necessarily resolve the issue 100%, but it definitely helps to manage it because it does play a role. So I would say for sure getting the neck uh, checked out from someone who's proficient in that, like a chiropractor, okay. um, is, is going to be a good choice. Cheyenne, sure. you spend a lot of time on your phone, your tablet, looking I down? I do, yeah, I do, actually. There Who go. doesn't now, right? See, okay. you're a detective, John. Doctors. You're a doctor, Doctors. buddy. You know this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that could be part of it though, right? For real. 100%. Yeah, that's a yeah. big, big thing with, especially the world we live in now with phones and we're always looking down. Mm-hmm. And it's also smaller, right? It was bad enough when it was a computer and a full keyboard. Right. And now we're even coming in closer. You get a hunch. One, one of the big patient bases that I have is actually dentists because they're used to working in that confined space, right? Uh, and they have a lot of neck, upper back issues. Uh, and that's what, you know, the, the public is facing now with tablets and phones. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Is it Poran? Poran. Poran, how are you? Uh, very good. Thanks for taking my call, doctor. No problem. This is in regards to a diagnosis I had for trigeminal neuralgia. Yep. Uh, three years ago, I had a tooth graft done. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, after about a couple of months, I start to get a shooting pain. Yep. So I went back to my dentist. He recommend I do a root canal mm-hmm. on my number 24 tooth on the top. Mm-hmm. So I did. Uh, he said that will solve the problem. Well, it did not. Okay. So uh, in 2005, I, it, it was so bad, I end up in an endo, endodontist. Worth it, yeah. He diagnosed it's trigeminal neuralgia. Yep. I was given then the gabapentin. Mm-hmm. I was taking um, a minimum dose, mm-hmm. that is. I'm still taking it. I try to reduce the dose gradually after the pain subside, and I felt I was going to test it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pain came back. I had to go back on the dosage originally recommended. And I am taking that until now, except recently I am getting a slight shooting pain. And I know it started once before like that, and it got worse. So Mm -hmm. I am wondering, uh, what do I do? What's my next step? Yep. So for our listeners... um Uh, that don't know what trigeminal neuralgia is. What that is, the trigeminal nerve is one of the nerves from the brainstem uh, that comes into the face. And neuralgia, the word simply means pain of the nerve. That's nerve. Ner, which is nerve, and alga, which is... Fibromyalgia. Yeah, which is a term for pain. So pain of the nerve, and specifically the trigeminal nerve. Um, So that's kind of, again, I talk a lot about what's a true diagnosis and what's just mentioning a sign. So people will say, I have sciatic nerve irritation, which, good, that's not a diagnosis, that's a clinical sign. Same as trigeminal neuralgia. Uh, I think the bigger component for you is is getting someone who can actually figure out where the trigeminal neuralgia uh, is coming from. And it sounds like you've just been dealing with the dental 
uh, profession, it may not be a bad idea to visit with your family doctor and maybe have a referral to an ENT. Uh, in Sorry, that... uh, I did. I did oh, okay. get this uh, gabapentin from my family doctor. Okay, has your family doctor ever referred you to an ENT? ENT. Yeah. Uh, Ear, no. nose, and throat. Yeah. I would no. say no. No. Yeah. So, so that may be the next option, right? Getting someone who specifically specializes um, in those areas uh, and trying to figure out exactly what that what exactly is causing that trigeminal neuralgia. Okay, who's okay. ENT? What's that's an abbreviation? Yeah, ears, nose, throat specialist. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Great. Okay. Thank you then, Dr. No problem. Oh, there she goes. Oh, Appreciate the call. Up. Yeah. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Got a few minutes here. Take your uh, last few phone calls in the second hour of the Dr. Payne Show. See you there, Joan. Hang on. We'll get to you right here. Talk Radio AM 640. 1253, last few minutes here. It was good. Two hours. Uh, we got to do this uh, more often, I believe. Joan, how are you? Not too bad. How right. are you today, gentlemen? Good. What's good. your concern? Well, I've been diagnosed with several health issues. Mm-hmm. But one that's really terrifying is um, I've been diagnosed with... Um, Unfolding thorax. A folding thorax, okay. And um, there's times when uh, I can't breathe out or breathe in. It's really terrifying. Okay. I don't know what to uh, what to do. I've had a CAT scan. Um, I've been to see um, an oncologist. Now I'm having another CAT scan a year later, and in March I'm seeing uh, the same oncologist after okay. the uh, CAT scan has been done. But it's it's very scary. Okay. Why have they sent you to see an oncologist? I don't know. That's that's a good question. Okay. Um, there's also um, on my lung, the right lung. There's um, they they call it similar to cut glass. Okay. Or uh, not cut glass. What do they call that? Um, ground glass. Okay. And um, they're ch- they're checking. I guess on that maybe that showed up in the uh, in the previous CAT scan. I don't know. Okay. So um, I don't know what to do. It it happens at any time, mm-hmm. even if I'm just you know even if I'm just reading or mm-hmm. something, and uh, I go to take a breath or breathe out, and I can't breathe at all. Right. Uh, the last one lasted for about forty seconds. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so. I would definitely say for sure you have to keep again uh, seeing the healthcare professional that you're dealing with and and do the uh, the recommended referrals to try to get to the bottom of this. Deal with people who specialize uh, yeah. in this type of issue. The other thing that you know you may want to consider is uh, an important part of breathing in the thorax is the muscles and joints in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe uh, getting someone and again this isn't a, a cure to your problem, no. but just to kind of help the issue as well. Um, is, is see someone who can work with those things um, and try to, uh, you know, make sure that the muscles, the joints in that area are healthy, just so that that way you can uh, have a little bit more, uh, you know, breathing that's a little bit easier. Uh, but I would definitely say you have to continue following up with uh, um, with the specialists that have been recommended to try to get to the bottom of exactly what's going on. Well, this is the end. My voice has changed. It's getting deeper and deeper. Yeah, so mm-hmm. for sure, this this needs to be attended to. Um, and I think the important thing, again, is, is the is the proper diagnosis. So that, that should be your main concern, is getting an answer to exactly what's going on, why it's going on, and what your best treatment options well, are. Well, that's the thing. The last time I saw the, the specialist, I wasn't even in there for two minutes, and I was out. 
Right. Yeah. He, so he didn't explain. It. He just said it's like uh, he didn't say anything about the throat. It was about the uh, uh, the, um, the the lung. Right. Yeah. And so again, uh, and this is where the, your family doctor is the the gatekeeper, right? So if you have issues uh, and you want a second opinion, just have that conversation with your um, with your uh, with your family doctor, right, and get a second opinion from another specialist. Then. Yes, our family doctor is uh, very good. Yeah. So, and then, I, and if you have a good family doctor, continue working with that person. Get them to send you to more people. Get the answers you need. Judy, you got about a minute here. What's your concern? Uh, I'm turning my radio off, sweetie. All right. Hold good. Um, I'm calling because um, a friend of mine had a, a routine colono- colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And. Um, uh, during the procedure, um, her intestine burst. Okay. And um, they supposedly fixed her up and put her back together. Mm-hmm. But um, now what's happening is um, she's got to go back in because it's herniated. Mm-hmm. And she, she says she has like a, she says she it, she calls it, she's having an alien baby because it actually yeah. does look so big and it's really bothering her. Okay. And wh- what's the question for us specifically? The question is, she went back to the doctor that did the surgery and he said, yes, it's a, herni- a hernia and wait six months and um, we're going to have to go back in and fix it. Yep. Okay. Now, my, my concern is um, she didn't have any polyps or anything and I'm thinking I would like her to go to another doctor and that and have it done. I'm worried. Okay. I mean, I think being a good friend is an important thing. I do think at the end of the day, uh, people's healthcare choices are up to themselves. So if you have that conversation with her uh, and she seems to agree with you, uh, you know, go. she's she go, right? She goes to her family doctor, gets a second opinion. Uh, based on what I'm hearing, it sounds like the right things are being recommended. Um, but yeah, that's really as much as I could say to that case is that uh, if you want to be a good friend and you think people should get second opinions, you you should all, you know, to be a good friend, a good family member, you can state your opinion, but don't try to push it on people. If she thinks the right things are being done, uh, you also don't want to create a psychological component and a scare factor. Let her get the things that she needs to get done. Was a busy two hours this week. Indeed, we're back to our uh, 12, or pardon me, our uh, 12 to one o'clock slot uh, next week yep. here on the Dr. Payne Show. In the meantime, you didn't get to call in. You have more questions. one 855 Dr. Lou. That is the number you want to call. Info at paincarecanada.com. Get on it. Get your, uh, get your, Treatment happening, free consultation, and talk to Dr. Lou as soon as you can. Until next week, the Dr. Payne Show Talk Radio, AM 640.